Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back in black. I hit the sack. I bet you know I'm glad to be back. That's right. Just like ACDC, this is the Lots of... Uh, no, this ain't the Lots of Lots. What I, I used to do radio. This is Funny Like a Clown podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis Worth, who used to do the Lots of Laughs uh, comedy show on radio, but now I'm doing a podcast because, uh, you know, I got sick of radio and now I'm doing something different. Having lots of fun, though, man. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, this is episode 39, November 10th, 2019. And we are here to discuss a legendary comedian. I, I love the old legends. These are the guys in a class of their own. Milton Burl. That's right. Going way back to Milton Burl. As always, uh, Fun and the Clown Podcast is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce for the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time. There's only one G Vegas. Check them out at uh, www.gvegas.webs.com. Uh, buy a bottle, man. There's nothing like homemade, and it's uh, good homemade stuff. And I know I, I, I've been trying to pump out like one podcast a week, and it was going good. We were getting a good fan base, and uh, it's been a few weeks. I've been doing them every other week and every third week, and I'm going to try to get back to them once a week. Uh, Freaking... I got sleep apnea. There's the truth, okay? And uh scared the shit out of me. If you're like alien abduction, I tell you, I woke up Saturday at 10 a.m. I sat in my living room chair at 10 a.m. I started, you know, thinking in my head, what am I going to do today? The next thing I know, I wake up in that same chair and it's 7 p.m., okay? So what the hell is up with that? That's like nine hours of missing time. I assume I was asleep, but could have been an alien abduction. You know, maybe they took me, returned me at 7 p.m. I'll never know, folks. I just hope they didn't probe me anally or nothing like that if they did abduct me. That's all I can hope at this point. But no, I, I got sleep apnea. I don't sleep well. So basically I fall asleep anyway, you know. But uh, I'm going to try to uh, I'm gonna try to get one a week and get this thing going again. We're back inside. I'm back in the studio because it is colder than a witch's tit out here in New England. And, uh, you know, because I'm back in the studio, I'm going to start having guests on again. So hopefully this is... Uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm having comics choose the comics who inspired them that they want to talk about. And, you know, Milton Burley's in a class of his own. But, you know, you need somebody in their 70s that, you know, had Milton Burley inspire them to want to do comedy. So it's not someone someone to want to pick. But I have to review these guys because the people people are picking, they wouldn't do their stuff unless guys like Milton Burley did their stuff first. There would no be no stage set for, you know, the Chris Rocks and the George Carlins that everybody wants to talk to. Because of this guy right here, Milton Berle. So let's get into it here, man. A Canadian actor had an 80-year career in uh, comedy. That's amazing. I mean, I'm going, what, I'm into my 11th year, going into my 12th year. And, you know, I, I really went at it hard and I accomplished more in 10 years than most of the guys I started with. You know, most guys doing 20 or 30. But, I mean, to have an 80-year career, I'll never live that long. I didn't get started early enough in my life. And uh, that, that that's just amazing to do 80 years of what you love to do. That That's a hell of a life right there. He uh, started in silent film as a child. Uh, from there, he went to radio. Um, you know, radio back then, that was a big thing. You know, the radio, TV, he was in the 
the invention of TV, I guess you'd say. And, you know, TV gave uh, faces to characters that have been known for years on radio. I said this on one of my other podcasts, you know, Superman was on radio for years. There was never a face to him because there was never no need to be. And then, you know, they took that character who had been around for years on radio and put a face to him on television, okay? Uh, the Lone Ranger, you know, he was around for years on radio. They put a face to him on television. So this guy became a face of television, the face of television, actually. Um... He did uh, radio, TV, and then films, and uh, TV, you know, where in radio all you hear is your voice, and, uh, you know, TV, it teaches you how to work a camera, and I had always heard that term, how to work a camera, you know, did you go to film school, did you go to, you know, you want to be an actor, you got to go to school to learn how to work a camera, I never knew what that meant until I did a, I did a local TV show, the, uh, the Comedy Kitchen, and I had some big time guests on there, I mean, uh, you know, Lenny Clark, Steve Sweeney, Tom Cotter, Jimmy Walker, Jackie the Joke Man, Carla Bove, uh, Stuttering John Melendez. You know, I mean, for a local TV show, I had some amazing guests, but I understood what they meant by work the camera because if you go back and look at the earlier episodes, we went in there, we took a class on how to run the television equipment, and boom, you're off, you know? So you got to find your own crew. I had some friends of mine with a crew, and, and it just... Uh, the earlier episodes, they looked local. You could tell, you know, I'd be, be shooting like the side of my head while I'm trying to talk to you this way, and I should be talking this way, you know, and it's like when to look at the camera, when not to look at the camera, when you should, you know, and I, and I understood, you know, the later episodes started to look professional and understand what it meant by learning to work a camera, you know, but when this guy was around Milton Berle, okay, you know, there were silent films and stuff like that, but TV was a new thing, and they actually said it was a fad, you know, that, you know, it was like, uh, you know, radio is the thing. They're going to try television. Yeah, they'll do it for a few months. Everybody gets sick of it. Then we'll all go back to radio. Well, we know that didn't turn out right. Everybody everybody went to the uh, TV. And they say the only reason radio is around now is because, you know, people in their car, you, you can't drive and watch TV at the same time. So, you know, you have to listen to radio. And I think that's why podcasts are taking off, too, because TV is becoming a thing of the past. That, you know, not that you don't watch it, but people watch it on their computer. And, you know, podcasts, you can listen to those. Well, you go surf the computer and do something else at the same time. So, well, you can listen to it. It don't need your full attention. You can be doing something else at the same time. And that's that's what we're becoming is multitasking. Uh, let's see. Milton Berle was the host of NBC's Texaco Star Theater from 1948 to 55. That was where, you know, he made his huge name as the face of television. He was uh, television's first star, okay? Um, you know, after radio, uh, he was known as uh, to millions as Uncle Melty and Mr. Television. Uh, during the golden age of TV. I mean, this is when, you know, TV was first invented. I mean, somebody had to be the first star, and he was it. So he set the bar on TV. Everybody else had to live up to. And, um, you know, to this day, it's still, you know, he, he's the guy who started it all. You know, I mean, you, you want to top the best, he's the guy who started it. You, you go back and back and back. But like I said, you know, he was the one, he was TV star, but before that, you had the radio star. You had, you know, Broadway stars when they had a hallway, you know. When you, when you did live, you know, uh, halls and stuff like that, uh, burlesque shows, who was the best on that? I mean, you know, plays have been going on forever, okay? You know, they took the plays, the story from the plays, they took the radio, the stories from radio, they took the TV. You know, these stories have been going on for years, it's just what's a different way that you want to tell them, you know? Uh, 1913, he started as a child actor. He won the Charlie Chaplin Award at the age of five. So, you know, as big as he was in TV, there was always a guy before him, and that guy was Charlie Chaplin, okay, who was master of silent film. Um, as a child actor, he started in some silent films himself. That was how he got his start, was in silent films as a kid. You imagine a five-year-old kid getting your start in silent films? 
Uh, let's see, he did the, the Perils of Paul Dean, uh, Tests of the Storm and Country, uh, Birthright, Love's Penalty, Divorce Coupons, uh, Ruth on the Range. Um, you know, these silent films that said to live the trips out to Hollywood. Now, this guy's taking trips to Hollywood at age five after doing some local silent films. And, uh, there he got the form in, um, Rebecca of, uh, Sunnybrook form with, uh, Mary Pickford. Uh, The Mask of Zorro with, uh, Douglas Fairbanks. And, uh, Telly's, uh, Punctured Romance with the man himself, Charlie Chapman. So, I mean, here's a guy at five who did some local stuff. Did so good there. Went out to Hollywood and he got to be in, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were small roles, but you still small roles with the biggest actors of the time. That's a heck of a platform to start on right there. And, uh, I think back to, uh, you know, the, the guy in, I don't know if you're a Big Bang Theory or not, but if you watch the Big Bang Theory, the guy played Leonard there. You know, before he played Leonard on there with the number one show on TV, he was on Roseanne. He played, uh, you know, one of the... Roseanne's daughter's boyfriend's love interest there. He was on there. That was a number one show, you know. But I go way back when he was on, what, Young Guns 2, I think. He played a, he was the young kid in there. I wanted to be, you know, ride with the outlaws. He wanted to be an outlaw when he grew up. So here's a guy who paid his dues with small roles and built it up to the number one show on TV. So everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, let's see. Uh, 1920, he made his stage debut in Atlantic City. That led to roles on Broadway, which we were just talking about. You know, Broadway, a lot of stories from there get, you know, made into movies and stuff and vice versa. Uh, by 16, he was uh, working as Master of Ceremonies in vaudeville. Uh, by the 1930s, he was a successful stand-up comedian. And, uh, you know, 1933, he was doing uh, theatrical features. Um, from 1934 to 36, he was a regular on the Rudy Valley Hour and Community Sing. So, you know, here's a guy, he started out doing some local stuff, you know, he went to the major cities, he did some stuff in the major cities, this is getting him connected to Hollywood. That's why, you know, I've seen, I've been watching lately because I made a short film about Sam Kinison, uh, watched it, it's on YouTube, from, uh, Preacher to Prophet, a Sam Kinison story, and, um... You know, it was a, it was a short, but it was a small budget film. But you know, the recognition I got from that and the fun I had from that, it's going to lead me to do something bigger. And you know, I, I got a lot of praise for doing. I caught a lot of flack from idiots. You know, got nothing better to do than go on Facebook and kick you down no matter what you do. But uh, you know, you, you got to start somewhere. Nobody starts at the top. And I, you know, I paid tribute to you know the guy who got me started in comedian, why I wanted to do comedy. And I was so proud of the tribute. I didn't really care what anybody thought. I did it for myself, and I was so happy with it. And I did, I did get a lot of praise, and I can't wait to do the next one. But, you know, nobody you know, nobody walks into Hollywood and says, Hey, I'm going to star. You know, who are you? I'm Mr. Nobody. I've done nothing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a star. you got to start somewhere. And we live in a day and age, you know, we're lucky with YouTube and stuff like that, where you don't need someone to give you a break. You can make your own break. If you want to work hard, go make your own. You, make, you know what? you got a movie you want to make. you got YouTube. you got a home video camera. Go make it. What's stopping you? It's not like in the old days, you know, with this equipment, you know, and editing software, you know, you can buy a program for your computer is almost as good as what they're using in TV now, you know, or is as good. So there's nothing stopping you from doing what you love except for you. You know, don't don't let the industry control you anymore, where in the olden days, the industry really, someone, you know, had to give you a break or you had to, to bribe your way in there. You know, I saw, I saw a thing with Ron Howard, you know, from Happy Days, and he went on to be a great director, and he said, you know, in the olden days, nobody would give you a break directing. It would be like, well, I got these people, they want to invest in a movie, but they'll only invest if you let me direct, okay? I mean, that's how you made your way in. So here's a guy, Milton Burrow, you know, he paid his dues, started at five, started locally, went, you know, 
big locally, went nationally, radio, TV, plays before he, you know, finally made his big name. And I guess I say that because a lot of these young comics, you know, they, I, I book comedy shows and they contact, they want to start at the top. They want to headline their first night out. It's like, no, man, you want to be a successful comic, it's years of paying your dues. You don't start at the top in any field whatsoever. And and uh, sometimes I go off on Facebook, it aggravates me so bad because nobody seems to get it. Everybody seems to think, man, I start right at the top and if you don't let me, you're the jerk. You're the jerk for not starting me at the top, you know, not for putting me in my place, but... You know, hey, I needed someone to put me in my place when I was a young comic, and certainly you got to do the same thing after that. So, uh, after he was a regular on the Rudy Valley Hour and Community Sing, um, he was a host of Stop Me If You Heard This One, which was, uh, he'd start telling a joke, and he'd see if anybody else could come up with the punchline for the joke, so... And I refer that to uh, Jackie the Joke Man from the Howard Stern Show. He's a touring comedian, and he has a thing called Stump the Joke Man, which if you can stump the joke man, you know, you win a t-shirt or something. But everybody thought he was the first guy doing that, and he wasn't the first guy. That's probably what was done. You guys probably hear me a little better. I don't know. Hopefully you heard me good. But, you know, I mean, this is stuff that, we, you know, has been doing before him, and it's just you find a different way to do it, you know. And uh, they say that stuff about, like, uh, you know, Star Wars. Star Wars, th those are stories that have been told for years, okay? But the only difference to George Lucas, he told the same story, but he told it in space. And that's what made it so big, okay? It was all stories that, you know, have been told for years, but he told it in space, which that was what made Star Wars so big. Uh, <laughs> I recently brought up, uh, what one would you rather see, uh, Star Wars or Harry Potter? And someone said, well, I'd like to see the one about the young kid who don't want to be a hero, but's forced to be a hero, who's taught by an old wise man. And basically, you want like Star Wars and Harry Potter was the same movie. It was just told in a different way. You know, one was in space and one was with a wizard. But I kind of got a kick out of that, which it was truth. It's, you know, what's what's your vision? What do you want to tell? What's the story that's in your head? Uh, let's see. Uh, in the 19. 40s, um, he canceled some well-paying gigs, okay, because he was doing this stuff on uh, radio and TV now, this is his smaller stuff, that he was he was canceling, like, his live gigs as comedians so that he could expand his stuff on radio, his, his radio career, and, you know, you say, why would he do that? Why would he turn down money where he's probably making little to no money on radio? Well, you know, the, the comics that do Saturday Night Live, they only get paid, like, $1,000 for their appearance. They don't get paid a lot of money. But, I mean, the, the the notoriety from being on Saturday Night Live, that's where they make the money in the clubs. That's why people are coming out to see him at the clubs because of the notoriety that show's giving him. So he's turning down some decent-paying gigs so he could stay on radio to little, no money, because he knew he was hitting a bigger audience, and that would eventually pay off for him in the end where more people would come to see him in the end because of the time he did on radio. There's a smart man where a lot of people would have went for the immediate money right there, you know? But, um... Uh, let's see, um, uh, some of the radio shows he did was, uh, Three Ring Time and Let Yourself Go, um, the Milton Burl Show, which actually started on radio, and to this day he said that in his whole career, the Milton Burl Show on radio, that that was, you know, the, the best thing that he ever did in his career, comedy-wise, that they really had, uh, they had, you know, it wasn't just him, he had his sidekicks and his whole radio crew, and, you know, you, you can accomplish more as a team than you can ever as an individual, but you got to find the people, you know, who want to be on the same page, a team, you know, that works well together, you know. 
Like, uh, you know, the Boston Celtics, they won so many championships because they put the team before themselves, you know, where a lot of players, you know, they want to put up the points and get all the stats, but they lose, okay? So can you find a team that's going to put the team before the individual? And that's what they did in radio. They found a team. Uh, I had Jackie the Joke Man in the Comedy Kitchen, and he talked about that. I asked, you know, do you regret leaving the show? And he said, you know, I mean, he's still doing good for himself, but it's not often that you hit a... You know, it's not happen when you hit something special like that in comedy, you know, or in any field where you hit something special where something clicks where everybody wants to tune you in. Instead of appreciating what you got, then everybody wants to be me, me, me. Well, I'm going to leave the show and do my own thing. Like, you know, when Simon Cowell left uh, American Idol, you know, he couldn't be thankful that it was the number one thing and biggest thing. No, no, I got to do my own thing. I got to be the star. I don't want to share it with the other two judges. And, uh... You know, I hate that like in bands and music, you know, when, when when a band, you know, they play forever in bars and they finally get big and then once they get big, none of them can stick together. Very few bands, you know, this one leaves and replace with this one and that one. It's like, you know, if you told the old guy playing the bars, you'd have this kind of success when you break up them, but everybody wants to be the solo star. Nobody wants to share the, share the stardom. And, you know, when you hit something like that, keep it because it's magical, you know. And that's why he said it was the best work he ever did because they hit magic and it's not easy to hit magic in this business uh let's see in 1929 he appeared on an experimental broadcast for for tv so they were experimenting with tv they did it in chicago for 129 people just this is when radio was the thing and hey we're going to test tv to 129 people in chicago to see what they think of it or, you know whether they like it better than radio or not uh 20 years after that he returned as uh, TV's first star. This was, and I guess, so I guess the test worked out, and hey, we're going to go with this. He uh, hosted Texaco Star Theater, as we said, and that was like the America's Got Talent of the time. It, it got 97% of the Nielsen ratings. Can you imagine that? 97% of the people watching TV watched his show on the night it was on, and I, you don't see stats like that anymore, even with the popular shows did. 97%, that's almost unheard of. That's all of America's watching your show, so that's why he was Mr. Television right there. Uh, technical sales doubled because of uh, the show. So, I mean, you know, when you're getting that kind of promotion, everybody's watching, you're promoting your product. That's how TV works, you know, that, uh, that that's what pays the bills of the sponsors, okay? And Texaco was sponsoring it, and they made their money back from sponsoring that show double-fold. Uh, he had a clash with the sponsors at one point about having black acts on his show, and I uh, went back and forth at Texaco. They didn't want to sponsor because back then it was a big racism time. And finally, he said, you know what? If the guests I book don't go on, then I don't go on. And uh, finally they gave in, and he got to have on who he wants. So there's a man who made a stand at the time that, you know, hey, you know what? If, if you're talented, you're talented. It don't matter what color you are, and I'm going to make a stand. So hats off to him. And I'll go back to Ed Sullivan with the Beatles. Ed Sullivan said the Beatles will never be on his show, ever. The Beatles became so popular. You know, they were so good, he couldn't ignore them anymore. He had to put them on the show, even though he said they'd never be on. So that's how the Beatles got on, and that's how some black people got on, uh, Uncle Melty's show there because he went to bat for him. So great for him. Um, 1960, he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, and, and now, now the, the, for today, this would be a lot of money. But can you imagine for back then, he got a $1 million a year contract from NBC and gave him an unprecedented 30-year contract. Now, you don't see that stuff in any field that <laughs> 30-year contract for a million year. 
and that's you know back then money and that's a lot of money now never mind back then so it shows you how big this guy was how much Texaco was making but as in anything I mean a 30 year span I don't care who you listen to I don't care how good they are 30 years is a long time and it's always the next up-and-coming star is gonna take a little bit from you you know you nobody I don't care how good you are is very rare you can stay on top forever uh, his show did start to slide and eventually Texaco pulled his sponsorship out then uh, Buick took over, the Buick car maker. Uh, you know, you got to pay the bills, so they took over, took a chance on him. I think they asked him for two years, and uh, finally they pulled out a sponsor, and his ratings kept falling. And, uh, uh, you know, before he finally got canceled, uh, he actually, once he got canceled, and then he got demoted, he was doing a... Uh, uh, jackpot bowling which is a bowling show about bowlers and in between the bowler sets he got to interview like one of the stars and it was really you know it was uh, I, I guess it bear when you're on top like that you know you don't want to do something small like that at the same time you got to pay the bills you still want to be in the limelight um, you know you see some of the stars of yesterday and today they're doing like home insurance commercials and they're they're trying to sell you home insurance. I saw the Fonz, I think, was on one of the trying to sell you home insurance. I'm like, the Fonz is selling homeowners insurance, but hey, the guy's got bills to pay, you know. I mean, Hollywood was good money, but it ain't the money of today. And, you know, you, you take what role you can get, even if it's not, you know, nobody stays on top forever. Um, let's see. Uh, so after uh, after the jackpot bowling, but then you know time goes by and you're still remembered for your greatness, and uh, you know even even after you're still remembered for your greatness, you know the next generation they want to pay tribute, they want to be a part of you. Uh, so even even after that, he'd still pack Vegas. I mean, you know that's where a lot of you know once you've hit the uh, you know you go to Vegas once the big 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 time has failed you then you go off to Vegas but he was still packing you know people come out to see his uh, comedy he could fill a room from his notoriety from the shows he did that even though he wasn't on TV anymore and uh, other than packing Vegas this is where he really made his comeback was he did guest spots on uh, numerous TV shows because like I said the comics of today they only do what they do because the comics of yesterday and the comics of today paid respect to this guy for what he did for them setting the stage and I take you back to the Big Bang Theory again where they bought uh, Bob Newhart they brought him on as Professor Proton or whatever he was but it was such a great tribute to one of the greatest comedians of our time that even in the twilight the young kids remember him from the childhood and they wanted to bring him on and still touch his comedy you know and they did this with uh, Uncle Milty just, an, I, I mean, this is only a few I can name. I could go on and on, but uh, Chips, I Dream of Genie, The Muppet Show, Fantasy Island, F Troop, Get Smart, The Sonny and Cher Show, you know, The Jackie Gleason Show. I could go on and on, but he was just a guest on everything because everybody wanted to touch that greatness that he had from their childhood. Uh, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most charity performances, and again, hats off to him because I do a lot of charity events, and I love to help people out, that's why, and a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of comics who'd rather make a hundred bucks, I'd rather make 25, pay my expenses, and give 75 to charity, and I do a lot of these because, not only because I like to help charity, but the comics that I work with, and they're willing to do that, I know those are good people, and those are the people I want to work with, I want to work with the good people, I don't want to work with, you know, the people who are just in it for themselves, that's not my kind of people, so, if they don't want to do one of my shows because it's for charity and they're not making the big bucks, 
I don't want them on my show. That's someone, go do someone else's show. You're not the kind of person I want to do comedy with. If you're a person, hey, I'll take a little bit of less to help out charity. I'm constantly surrounded by good people. Those are the good people I want to work with. So, you know, it, it wasn't well publicized because they said, you know, he didn't do the big Bob Hope TV thing where, you know, he made a big spectacle of helping out charity. It was a behind-the-scenes thing where he just did it because he loved to help out charity. You know, not, not that he wanted, which nothing against Bob Hope. I mean, that was what he did, and, you know, he, he raised tons of money by doing it. And any way you raise money, you know, that's why people show up because you advertise. So there's nothing wrong with advertising that you help out charity because that's what puts butts on the seats is advertising. But, uh... Here's a guy, I mean, in the Guinness Book of World Records, how much of himself did he give? Here's one I didn't even know about him. 1979, he hosted Saturday Night Live, which uh, I'll have to go back and look that episode up and watch it because I had no idea. Uncle Milty hosted Saturday Night Live in 79. But uh, from there, he, uh, he got a reputation that he was hard to work with, okay? Which I understand because he was TV's first star, and I know... You know, a lot of local comics, when, you, when you're put on a comedy show, when I book a lot of big names, the first thing they're going to tell you, the big names and their contracts, is all the opening acts have to work clean. They can't work dirty. And it's like, then they go up there, and they do all kinds of dirty jokes. And it's like, the reason is, okay, they paid their dues. They want... They want to be the star. They don't want someone before them getting more laughs than them and them not being the star. They paid their dues. They want to be the star. They're not going to let anybody else steal a show from them. And Milton was like that. He didn't want any of the actors on Saturday Night Live being more funny than him. You called me here to be the star, let me be the star. And it's actually cost me some work because, I mean, a lot of guys I used to open with, they won't use me anymore because... I'm starting to get more, I'm the opener and I'm starting to get more laughs than them. Well, they don't want me getting more laughs than them, so they don't book me anymore to open for them. So, uh, you know, I I can headline, but as far as opening work, there's a lot more work for opener than there is headliner. You know, you can you can get too funny for your own good in this business, where you're getting less work because you're too funny, where if you stay mildly funny and let them be the star, you work a whole lot more. So, kind of a trick to the trade, you do comedy and you can't get too funny or you work less, so... That's uh, that's a tough one on the local level even to deal with, but uh, he had a tiff with uh, Richard Pryor. I know that uh, you know he had a fall. He, him and Richard Pryor were on a show together, and uh, Milton was saying something, and Richard laughed at it, and he's like, "Oh, hey, pick pick and choose your time to think things are funny." Richard, right back at you. He wasn't taking any shit from the guy, but uh, he had a tip for Richard Pryor. I remember a thing on Hollywood Squares. They had him on, you know, if you were the center square, he was the center square. That was the big, you know, the big celebrity spot. And then all the smaller celebrities went to the outer squares because tic-tac-toe, you always start with the center spot. It's the center of power, so... And uh, he came out complaining about everything. You know, I ain't got a good dressing room. There's no food in my dressing room. I need this, I need that. You know, do you know who you are? I'm Big Star Milton Burrow. Finally, the guy said, you know what? You're right. The director of the show, you're too big of a star for us. Go ahead home. You're way too big to be on our show. He's like, who you think I'm talking to? I'm, I'm, I'm Milton Burrow. I'm going to be on this show. You get ready for me. You better get ready for me. So he just, you know, some people, they don't forget where they come from. And some, you know, they turn into the, this big star and they don't want anybody else out, outstaging them. And which I somewhat understand, but if it turns you into a jerk, then you kind of cross the line there, too, you know? You always always make way for the next generation, you know? I, I understand you want to stay on top, but don't do it to the point where you're kicking down other people that you won't give them their chance to ever reach the top either, you know? So, uh, let's see. Uh, now, here, here's one where more our generation is going to remember for, and I get a lot of uh, comments on this one. In 1984, he appeared in Drag, 
for uh, the rat video, round and round. You remember that video on MTV and Uncle Milty? They were upstairs, you know, what's all the noise up there? They're playing the guitar, and he was a guy and a girl, and let's go upstairs. And she, Ooh, okay, let's go up. And it was one of the better-known videos that Rat did, and it was a really good tribute to, to show, you know, him at work, even later in his age, just how talented that he was, that he'd be remembered for something. Uh, 1992, he was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which he was on one episode there, which I didn't know about that either. So, like I said, even in your old age, when you're doing cameos to the people that respected your work, it's always good, you know, don't don't forget the guys who, who paved the way for you. So, uh, he was on Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, here's what I know. In 1947, he founded the Friars Club uh, from an old hotel that was out there. So all these celebrity roasts and everything you see, who knew it was Uncle Milty who founded the Friars Club who originally started doing the celebrity roasts. So there's another one we got to pay tribute to him too. Uh, another fun fact about him, I found this one was hilarious. Um, when he was doing his TV show in Chicago... They saw between the hours of 9 o'clock and 9.05, there was like this huge drop in water in their water reservoir. And it actually led to a police investigation of why the water was dropping so much from 9 o'clock to 9.05. And they said the reason was everybody would watch Uncle Milty's show and they wouldn't go to the bathroom. They'd hold it till it was over. Then when it was over, everybody would run for the bathroom. And everybody went to the bathroom when the show was over from 9 to 9.05. And that's why the water was dropping so much from 9. The police had investigate it in Chicago and figure it out so how popular is your show nobody's going to the bathroom then there's a drop in the water level because they all go to the bathroom once it's over that's that was hilarious I thought uh his last performance uh was two heads are better than none uh, and then he ended up dying of colon cancer in 2002 so what a legendary actor and uh you know as always uh, I go to the people here and we see what the fans had to say about him and Fans, you know, some of these things I post, and I think I'm going to get a lot of comments about it, and some I post, like, ah, they're not going to remember this guy, but, you know, Milton's one guy where I posted this, where I wasn't expecting the fans to say a lot about him, and the fans actually had a lot to say about him, so, uh, I, I, I thank you for the fans for, uh, writing in there, and now, uh, if I can get my, uh, connections working here, Alright, well, well, this was loading, okay, because heaven forbid anything go easy for me here, you know, on a podcast, right, you wouldn't want that to happen. Uh, I will remind you that our show is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce, and this stuff's good, folks, I'm telling you, man, if you like buffalo sauce like I do, if you order out, it is absolutely not as good as what you can get homemade, and this stuff is homemade, it is fresh, it is happening, just like I'm fresh, I'm happening, and, uh... I'll give you a hint on my next project. Well, I'm still trying to get this to load. Um, you know, I just did, I told you the short film about, uh, from Preacher to Prophet, a Sam Kennison story. Uh, my next project is to make a full-length film about a character. It was the first character I tried in. It was the first routine I wrote in stand-up comedy called The Child Support Superhero. It was a character I invented uh, uh, in reference to child support. Actually, I made a page about him on a... Facebook, I got 12,000 followers. I had one of the posts go viral, hit 3.5 million people, which I don't even know what percentage of the planet that is, but the hell of a lot of people. From that, I got 12,000 likes on the page, and now, uh, you know, I remember Stan Lee saying for the superheroes, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, he's now, every post I make from that page is hitting between five and 15,000 people, so that's a heck of a lot of people. So I got to be, you know, 
I got to be responsible now at what I post, and I try to, I try to put information out there and let the uh, let the people decide. You know, if it's something they want to, I let them duke it out. I don't get involved with the arguments. I let them argue and let them have their say about because everybody's got a different point of view on facts, you know. And boy, I'd like to give you the point of views on Uncle Melty here, but for whatever reason, my computer is not getting a. Uh, not getting a strong signal here, and I can't bring up uh, what these people have to say, which is kind of sucking because it was some good stuff. Do do do. Stick with me here, man. All right, because I should have had this going beforehand. All right. What is the problem here? I can I can sing you uh, rats round and round, round and round. What comes around, goes around, I'll tell you why. Looking at you, looking at me, the way you move, you know it's easy to see. The neon lights are on you. Now I'm going to get some fucking, I'll put this thing on YouTube and YouTube will fucking send me some, oh, you're using rats fucking lyrics and we got a banner or something. Like I'm fucking sounding like Stephen Pierce or something from Rat. That's the crazy shit they do over there because, you know, everybody's offended by something nowadays. Uh, well, this just fucking sucks right here, man. I got all kinds of footage to tell you guys, and I can't connect to the internet. you got to be shitting me. Tell me you're shitting me, folks. Well, you can listen to me bullshit with you if you want, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. All right, wait, wait, wait. Maybe I found a back door in. Maybe I haven't. Well, I can see me. I can't see any of the friggin' footage here. See, this is my fucking podcast. You gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them, just like Kenny Rogers says, right? I mean, uh... Any other time, I would get a fucking connection. But not when I tell you the guys. Alright, what are we on? We're, well, we're at 33 minutes. Alright, you guys don't mind staying. Well, hey, if you wanna fucking leave, you can leave. If you wanna stay... All right, well, I know one of them was, uh, a lot of people made a comment that he was uh, well-endowed. He was known for having a big schlong, okay? And I don't know how it came along. I know, like, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, you know, he, he used to show up at the comedy store in a bathrobe, you know, and it's like he'd have on his boxer shorts with, you know, the pee hole there, and every now and then people would catch a glimpse of how big the guy was. Well, Uncle Melty, he was known for having a big old schlong, okay? And, uh... The joke was, uh, somebody once told him, what, uh, feed that thing before it hurts somebody. Uh, he was on a show one time where somebody challenged him to who had the bigger dong contest. And they're like, whip it out right now. And he's like, no, no, no. And Jackie Gleason said, you don't have to take the whole thing out. Just take out enough to beat him. And everybody started cracking up. And Milton said that was the best one-liner he had ever heard from Jackie Gleason. <laughs> Just take out enough to beat him. You ain't going to take the whole thing out, you know. So, uh... Who was it? Uh, comedian Bob Goutreau, he chimed in that uh, his mother, I don't know what kind of twisted family this was, but he said that his mother actually bought a hooker for him one time. And he said the hooker was like uh, throwing a pee down the uh, some tunnel or something like that, which if he's as well endowed as he was, I mean, that's saying something that, you know, that this woman must have been wider than a tunnel, I guess, of a guy that big and he can't feel nothing. There's a woman. You ever have one of those moments you just want to smash a fucking computer? I'm having that moment right now. I've had about 15 fucking comments and I can't bring up a fucking one because of the piece of shit internet. And to say it's upsetting me, I guess, uh... 
I guess would be an understatement now, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, somebody else brought up his appearance on a Mad, 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 Mad World, and uh, that show's actually brought up a few, few comics. They mentioned that 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 was a, a groundbreaking show to have him on right there. As we mentioned, Rat that was the most uh, popular one right there. Jeez, um, I'm trying to remember. I didn't think I'd have to remember because I figured I'd have this shit. All right, you know what? Fuck the internet. Fuck cable. Fuck Comcast. They can kiss my ass because. If you pay to be connected, you should be connected, but Comcast, you know, then you call and you want to break on the bill and they got every fucking excuse, so fuck Comcast, and, uh, you know, they don't sponsor my fucking podcast, so fuck them, but, uh, hey, you know, the guy was well endowed and he had one hell of a career, just like I hope to have one hell of a career here on Funny Like Clown Podcast, uh, hey, tune in, I'm gonna start having guests on again, and hopefully we're paying some good tribute to some great comedians and we've been doing the older ones I did the George Burns and the Jonathan Winters now the Milton Burles now maybe we'll get back to some of the mainstream comics that you know comics will start choosing nowadays so uh hey hey I'm gonna say cheers to everybody online I'm gonna go drink my beer and uh you know till I see you again keep laughing because laughter is the best medicine and tell your friends about Funny Like Clown Podcast and we'll see you next time Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.